All right, so we finished off last time in verse number 21. So we will jump right in uh, to verse number 22. From verse 17 down through verse 21, there is a little bit of a debate uh, on is Paul referring to um, the lost world uh, or is he referring to uh, saved people, Christians, that have what we would consider backslid and have gone cold on God? I told you that from my perspective, my opinion, uh, was that he is uh, speaking of <clears throat> carnal Christians, uh, but it doesn't really matter uh, if we agree or disagree on that. This uh, passage here can be applied either way, and either way it's still true. Uh, so we're going to start now in verse number 22, and he's in down through verse number 21, he's talked about uh, how that we were before, how that we had our understanding darkened, alienated from the life of God, being past feeling and all that. So then we get down here in verse 22, and he tells us that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So once again, this could be interpreted that he's speaking of when we initially get saved, that we put that off. But I think he's talking here uh, to carnal Christians that we put off that robe of sinfulness, that robe of flesh, that robe of carnality. You see, standing for God and living for God is a choice that we make every day. Even, I'm sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. We're in Ephesians chapter number four. I'm sorry. I should have said that to start with, shouldn't I? Ephesians chapter four. Uh, so to put off means to cast off. And we know that even as Christians, we can fall back into our carnal ways. We can, we can get cold on God. All of us have been there. If we've been saved any amount of time, we've been there to where uh, we're not as involved. We're not as excited. We're not as uh, close to the Holy Spirit of God as we once were. But that word put off means to cast off. And then it's talking about the former conversation, that former lifestyle. Now, this is another reason here why I think he's talking to carnal Christians, because he's saying that was former, that was before you were saved. He said, don't be, don't be living that lifestyle of the former conversation, but you need to be living the lifestyle of a saved, born-again child of God. And then when he talks about the old man, He's talking about the old nature, the sinful nature, the sinful flesh. Because a lot of times people think that the old nature went away when it didn't. We just got a new nature. So we still fight against the flesh. Paul himself said, when I find myself trying to do good, I end up doing bad. And when I, when I try not to do bad, I end up doing it anyway. So even Paul himself fought with the flesh, and we fight with the flesh every single day to try to overcome the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the flesh. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and verse 14, he says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. That doesn't mean that we don't have the ability to serve sin, because we do have that ability. He said, but we should not serve sin. 
because the old man has been crucified and we've got a new nature. And verse 14 in Romans chapter 6 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. So sin is always present with us, but it doesn't have to have dominion over us. It doesn't have to rule our lives. It doesn't have to dictate our steps. He says the steps of a good man are not ordered by a sinful flesh, but it's ordered by the Lord. So the Lord operates and directs the steps of a Christian, of a good person, uh, but we can still be trapped uh, in that realm of sin. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, he said, Paul said, but I keep under my body, and that word keep under there means to subdue or overpower. So he says, I'm overpowering my body and bringing it into subjection. And that word subjection means to rule over it. Lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So that's what we have to do. We have to bring our body under subjection. We have to overpower it. We have to subdue it. We have to rule over it. Because if we're not careful, this sinful flesh will rule our lives. And we have to resist against that. We have to fight against it. And we have to constantly depend on the Holy Spirit of God to give us the strength and the power to overcome the flesh. And then at the end of verse number 22, he said, which is corrupt, talking about the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now it's very interesting here how that Paul used these words, deceitful lust. So the word deceitful, we, I think we all know what that means, to deceive someone. It means a delusion. To not see things as they really are. And then lust is that longing for what is forbidden. Having a desire. So we can be deceived by those lusts. We, we can be deceived that those things are okay. So he says those are deceitful lusts. He said it may, it may seem like it's the right thing. It may not feel like it's wrong. But that doesn't make it right. Just because it... We, see, as human beings, we can rationalize anything we want to in our mind. If we give the devil an inch, he will give us reasons to sin. He will give us reasons why it's not wrong. He'll give us reasons why we, we, it's okay not to come to church, reasons why it's okay to, to live a sinful life. We can rationalize anything. That's why I'm glad that God gave us his word so that we don't have to rationalize anything. He laid the scriptures out and he told us how that we should live and how that we should not live. So he made it real easy for us. But that doesn't, it, just because we know it doesn't mean it's easy to do it, right? So it's, it's, it's difficult to do right. It's easy to do wrong. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it is of the world. That's those deceitful lusts that he was talking about. Now, when we get into verse number 23, this is yet another reason why that I think this passage here is uh, speaking to carnal Christians because he said not only do we need to put off the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, he said, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, that word renewed means to restore to revive, to reestablish. Well, if this passage is talking to lost people, they can't be 
revived. They can't be reestablished. They, ne- they were never established in the first place, right? They, they've never been saved, so they can't renew that spirit of uh, what, the way we were when we first got saved. So here he's telling us to be renewed, to be restored, to be reestablished in the spirit of our mind. The mind is the battleground on which the devil fights us because he, he, he reasons with us. Just listen, he, he hasn't changed his tactics. What did he do with Eve? He reasoned with her. Look how good that fruit is. It's, it's good to the eyes, right? It's good for food. Did God really say that? Well, what God meant was is he doesn't want you to be like him, to know good and evil. So was all that a lie? No, it, it was actually true, but he just twisted the truth. Did Adam and Eve, once they sinned, did they come to know good and evil like God? Yep, but they weren't like God. They were sinful, <laughs> right? So God was sinless, and now they were sinful. So they became like God in the sense that they understood sin now because they had done it, but they were the furthest thing from God because now they were no longer pure. They were no longer holy. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world. Now, here in Romans chapter 12, he's definitely talking to Christians. He says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by your works, by your actions. No, no, no. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is it so important that we come to church on Sunday morning? Why is it so important that we come on Sunday night? Why is it so important that when, when uh, Pastor Gary or somebody else gets up and preaches John 3.16, that if you've been in church 20 or 30 years, you've probably heard John 3.16 preached 100 different times or more, but yet why does that still stir us? Why does that still move us? Because we, it, it's not always about something new. It's, all, it's about reminding us of what God did. That revives us. That gets us energized, and it draws us closer to Him. Uh, he said that, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that we may prove. What is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? So we're con- we need to be in a constant state of revival. So we have revivals because it's a um, shot in the arm, so to speak. It's, it's an energy boost. You know, sometimes when we're feeling down, uh, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have those energy boosts. And if we did, my mother wouldn't have let me have them anyway because I drove her crazy because I had more energy than any one person should have, just like my kids did when they were little. But sometimes we get up in the morning, right, and we're, we're down or we get in that afternoon and we have that, you know, mid-afternoon where we get tired and sleepy. And what do we do? We grab a Red Bull or something like that. We grab an energy drink and it gives us that boost of energy. Uh, that we need and that's why as a church body we have revivals sometimes once a year or on a regular basis it's not because the church has fallen into sin and things are falling apart it's just to give us that energy boost it's to get us excited to get us renewed in the spirit of our mind listen there's nothing in the world like having three or four or five back-to-back nights of coming together and worshiping God and remembering what he has done for us what personally and what he's done for us as a church and what he's done for us as a group of people and being reminded of the greatness of God and the greatness of our sin and the greatness of his mercy and of his grace where he took away our sin. That gets us excited. 
And that's what Paul is talking about when he's talking about renewing. So we can become spiritually complacent and cold when we get our when, but when we get our mind refocused on God, we are transformed from a carnally-minded person back into a spiritually-minded person. And then there, uh, in verse 23, it says, By the spirit of your mind, a spirit is our rational soul, and the mind is our thought and understanding. So that's what the Word of God does. It, it touches us in two ways. It touches our spirit, uh, which is our soul and it also touches our mind which is our understanding you see sometimes we we have to be reminded that the devil's a liar and that he's the father of lies and that what he tells us is not true but what god says is true and we just have to remind ourselves of that then we get into verse number 24 and it says and that you put on the new man which after god is created in righteousness and true holiness so Paul says, it's not, it's not enough just to put off the former lifestyle. We, we can't just say, well, I'm not going to sin like I did before, and that'd be okay. No, no. Paul says, it's not that you have to, as Christians, it's not that we stop doing sinful things. But he, we are commanded to do righteous things. He said, not only put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, but verse 24, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That new man is the new nature, what he's talking about. The putting off of the old and the putting on the new is a choice that we make every single day. Every day when we get up, we have to decide today, how am I going to live? Am I going to live for God today or am I going to grieve God's heart and am I going to live according to the desires of the flesh and the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the flesh Romans chapter 6 um, we wrote we, we, we read a couple verses uh, from Romans chapter 6 earlier now we're going to read a few more he said let not sin reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof so we we can't let sin reign in our mortal body it's in our mortal body, but he didn't say be sinless. He didn't say have no sin whatsoever because that's not humanly possible. We're, we don't have the ability to live a perfect sinless life. But he said, let it not therefore reign in your mortal body. It should not control us. It should not drive us. Sin should not have dominion over us, as we said before. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are from alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And then in verse number 16, he said, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So sin is a fight that we fight every single day. You know, I, Angie and I have been married for a long time and sometimes we have really good days and sometimes like any other married couple we have days where we have disagreements now I will say that uh, when we were younger and a little more immature in the early years of our marriage we tended to you know argue about silly things more so than we do now uh, we've matured and we realized that you know it's it's better to just be happy than it is to argue over the silly stuff 
Uh, but we still have those times. Uh, but what we have to understand is we have the choice. You see, I have the choice every day. Even if my wife says something that, you know, pushes one of my buttons or I say something to her that, that irritates her, we have a choice in how we react to that. Am I going to react negatively to that or am I just going to let that be like water off a duck's back and let it go and forgive her or she's going to forgive me? You see, that's a choice that we make every single day. Every single day we make a choice. Are we going to serve God today or are we going to serve the flesh today? And Paul is reminding us of that. Now, in the latter part of the verse, he said that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And what that word after God means, it means in the image of God. So we put on the new man, which is in the image of God, which is after God. We are, we are following after him and we're following in his footsteps. That's why we're called Christians. We're called Christians because we're Christ-like, or at least we're supposed to be, right? So that's what the word Christian means, is to be Christ-like. And sometimes we call ourselves Christians when our actions are anything but Christ-like. So we have to remember. And there's a, there's a great slogan that came out several years ago. There was wristbands and T-shirts and all these other things, and all of you will know what I'm talking about, WWJD. We have to remember, what would Jesus do in this situation? When somebody said something that hurt my feelings or made me angry, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus give them a piece of his mind or would he forgive them? Would Jesus react negatively and, and get in their face or would he let it go? So we need to be in the image of God and we need to be Christ-like. And that word says creating righteousness and true holiness, our nature was created in the image of God. And righteousness and holiness is expected. So a lot of times, you see, we have, and we've talked about it uh, earlier in the chapters of Ephesians, how that Paul spent a lot of time talking about how that uh, spirituality is not of works. Salvation is not of works. We, we're not saved because we do good things. We do good things because we're saved not to be saved or not to maintain salvation. So it's hard for some people, especially some people that have been taught different doctrines, to, sit, to understand that because they just think, well, wait a minute. If, if, if you still have the ability to sin without losing your salvation, why, why don't you just go out here and do anything you want? Well, here's the thing. I ha I'm a grown man. Okay? I make choices and I can do whatever I want. If I wanted to go rob a store tonight, I could do that. If I wanted to go drink a beer, I could do it. If I wanted to slap my wife, I could do it, right? Now, there's consequences to all those things, okay? But in my marriage, I don't stay, I don't stay faithful to my wife so that she stays married to me. Does that make sense? I stay faithful to my wife because I love her. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So I don't stay, we don't stay faithful to God so that we can stay saved. We stay faithful to Lord Jesus Christ because we love him. 
because he forgave us of more sin than, than we ever deserve to be forgiven of. Listen, my wife has forgiven me for more stupid things that I've said over the last 35 years than she ever should have. I didn't deserve the forgiveness a lot of times. Sometimes she should have took a broom handle across my top of my head, but she didn't. She forgave me. So I love her. I love her not only because I, I saw this beautiful young girl who grew into a beautiful uh, adult woman, and I love her, but I also love her because she loves me back and because she forgives me. And it's easy to forgive someone who forgives you, right? I've done really bad things and hurt my wife, and she's forgiven me for that. So when she makes a mistake and says something that hurts me, I'm ready to forgive her for that because we love each other. You see, we serve God not to maintain salvation. We serve God because we love him. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you want to go to heaven, keep my commandments. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So what we're doing when we don't uh, live a Christian life and we're not obedient to the Holy Spirit of God, what we're saying is, Jesus, we don't love you. I don't love you. You're not worth loving. And if we think about it in that sense, boy, doesn't that make us want to live a righteous life? Because that's how we show him that we love him. When we are obedient, it shows love for, for God the Father and God the Son. When we're disobedient, it shows a lack of love. So we are created in that righteousness and that true holiness. Verse 25 he said, wherefore, or because of these things, putting away. Now, first of all, he, he tells us things that we should do, okay? Uh, and now he's getting ready to tell us a bunch of things that we shouldn't do. So he touched on what we shouldn't do and what we should do a little bit, but now he's going to go into detail. You see, sometimes as preachers, we get into trouble because nobody, nobody uh, really is upset when you preach about sin, generic sin, but when you start naming it, that's when people get their feelings hurt. Because as long as you're, as long as you're preaching against what somebody else is doing, they're going to shout you and amen you. But when you get on the sin they're committing, then the conviction comes. So Paul does what a lot of us do. He starts getting specific. He said, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. So he's saying we shouldn't be liars. We should stop lying. He said we should, we should put away lying. <clears throat> um, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. Paul now lists these very specific things. Uh, <clears throat> don't lie, but tell the truth, for we are all God's creation. So this is what we have to understand. We're all related. And that, that's what a lot of people on this earth don't understand. That's what a lot of Christians don't understand. You see, God created Adam and Eve. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. That's what Genesis says. So he didn't create Adam and Eve white, and he didn't create another couple that was black and another couple that was Asian. All of humanity came from Adam and Eve. Then at the flood, it all went down to Noah and his three sons and their three wives, so then everybody came from those uh, eight people. So we're all related. 
It doesn't matter where we were born in the world. It doesn't matter how tall, how short, how skinny, how big. It doesn't matter what the color of our skin is or anything else. We're all God's creation. We all came from the same genetic uh, code of Adam and Eve. And so <clears throat> that's where we got to understand that we got to put away lying and, and speak truth to every man. For we are all members one of another. Even lost people were related to them because they all came from the same two human beings. So it, it's, a, it's a sad thing that Paul has to say, don't lie and tell the truth. Well, surely he's talking to lost people here. Nope, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to you and I. Why? Because that's what we do. And sometimes we lie in the church house. We, we will say things that aren't true Sometimes by mistake, I mean, people lie. And, and he says that we should not lie, that we should tell the, tell the truth. Then he goes on getting very specific. He said, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Now, it's real important. Paul did not say to not be angry. A lot of people think that any, any anger is sinful, and it's not. Listen, there's things that make me really angry. When, when I hear of a child that's been abused, that makes me angry. When I hear of a woman that's been mistreated, that makes me angry. If I see somebody mistreating a child or mistreating another person, that makes me angry. So there's righteous anger. There's things that we should be angry about. Uh, unfortunately, some things that we should be angry about, a lot of Christians don't get upset about it, and we should be. So the anger is not the sin. He said, be angry and sin not. So a lot of times the sin is how we react to the anger because we let that anger overcome us and then we do and say things that are inappropriate. So the, the anger for the situation was justified. So let me give you an example. We can be angry over abortion, but if we plant a bomb and blow up a, an abortion clinic and kill people, that's wrong. It doesn't matter why you're doing it you, people and that happened you know years ago that was a common thing and it was it was people saying well we're saving babies lives but you can't save babies lives by killing people you know so you can be angry about that but you can't sin so that's what Paul is telling us here that when we are angry don't sin but not don't let the sun go down on your wrath don't let it consume you don't don't let it fester um when we don't allow our anger to dwell in our hearts, we must forgive and we must ask for forgiveness. So Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 says, Then Peter came to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus said to him, I say unto thee until seven times seventy. So seventy times seven is 490 times. So Jesus said, no, you, should, you don't forgive somebody seven times. You should forgive them 490 times. I don't know about you, but once I get to about 200, I'm probably getting pretty tired of this person. <laughs> right? I, I, don't know that, I don't know if I can ever get to 490 pieces of forgiveness for the same individual. But that's, Jesus set the bar really high, didn't he? And we got to remember this. Forgiveness is not dependent on the other person asking for it. And that's why a lot of times we, well, they didn't ask for forgiveness. I'm not going to forgive them until they ask. It's not dependent on them asking for forgiveness. Look at what Jesus did when he was on the cross. 
Jesus was abused. He was, he, he was beaten. He had a crown of thorns stuck on his head. He was nailed to a, to a tree, and he was hanging there. And what did he say? He didn't say, Father, forgive them if they ask. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we should be Christ-like. We forgive others because we should forgive others. We forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. Not because they ask. Whether they ask or not, we should forgive them. If they ask, we definitely should forgive them. And they should know that we've forgiven them. But forgiveness is not dependent on the other person asking for it. And then in verse 27, he said, Neither give place to the devil. So what he's saying there is he's saying, Don't give the devil an inch. Don't give up any ground. Don't, don't give him a foothold in your heart, in your home, anything to do with your life. Because if you crack the window up, see, here's the thing. If you crack the window open, it doesn't have to be open very far uh, for the flies and the mosquitoes to get in. So what he's saying is keep the window closed. Don't, don't give any place to the devil. Do not allow him in your, in your mind, in your heart, in your life, in your home, protect yourself. You see, that's what we have to do. We have to put a barrier up around us to protect ourselves from sin. So my son, and I may have told you this before, but when my boys, uh, they were at volunteer, and they were on the football team, and the football team was having a great big bonfire out on the farm of, of one of the football players, and my sons came and asked me if they could go. I had a few questions. I said, where is it? When is it? And what adults are going to be there? I said, they told me whose farm it was, and I said, is his parents going to be there? Now, did I already know the answer to that question? Yes, <laughs> but I asked it anyway. And he also knew the answer to the question, but he didn't tell me the full truth. He said, well, I don't know. They might be. Yeah, they, they might be there for five minutes. <laughs> but the, the whole point is that they're not going to be there. That's why the football team's having it out in this field somewhere with a great big bonfire. Now, you and I, you and I both know what a bunch of teenage football players do when they're left by themselves out in the field having a bonfire. There's going to be some little, uh, you know, uh, rolled up cigarettes there. There's going to be some beer there. there, there there's going to be doing things. There's going to be girls there, right? And that's another thing I ask him. Are there going to be girls there? Well, I don't know. There might be. Yes, there's going to be girls there. You wouldn't want to go if there wasn't going to be girls there, <laughs> right? So I knew all this stuff. So I said, if his parents are going to be there, and if I talk to them and they tell me they're going to be there the whole time, I'll let you go. Dad, it's not like that. I said, okay, I'll go then. I'll go with you. No, Dad, you can't. I said, well, if, if nothing's going to happen, why would any of your buddies care if I show up? If, there, if there's not going to be anything going on that shouldn't be going on, then you nobody should care that your dad showed up. So I told him he couldn't go, and he didn't understand. He said, Dad, don't you trust me? I said, Son, you have to understand. My job as a father is to keep you out of situations to where you're forced to make the right decision. I think you would make the right decision. But I'm not going to allow you to be put in a situation to where you have to choose. 
and you might accidentally in the moment make the wrong choice and end up being a father. I said, if I don't allow you to be in a situation where you have to choose right or wrong, then we don't have to worry about it. I said, so that's why you're not going. It's not because I don't trust you. It's because I love you and I want to protect you from your own self. Because when I was 17 and 18 years old, I made bad choices. I did things that were stupid. And I looked back on it a day later and said, why did I do something so stupid? I said, it's my job to protect you from making bad choices. And if you don't have the ability, if you don't have the requirement to choose, then you're going to not make bad choices. So that didn't satisfy either one of my sons, but oh well, that's the way it was. All right, so we will stop there and we will pick up um, right there uh, next week.